KFDI, yeah, good morning. Good morning. It's Al from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. How are you doing today? Al Petrelli, great to have you on the show again. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How's everything about you? Family well, I hope? Uh, everything's great, Al. I'm, I'm leading a pretty blessed life, my friend. Uh, God bless. Good for you. I like to hear that. All right. Always great to have you on the show. Uh, and uh, this year, the ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more. 62 cities, 104 performances. Tickets go on sale Friday uh, and stopping at Interest Bank Arena here in Wichita on the 6th. We'll get to a lot about the show here, but I've realized, Al, that in the years we've been chatting about this show, uh, we've talked a lot about the show, but not really much about you. So uh, I want to get to <laughs> it. I know, I know. I know. You didn't know what you were getting into, did you? All right, here we, yeah, you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here we go. Um, how did your, you're the guitarist, uh, one of the original members of TSO, how did the first guitar you ever played get in your hands? That, oh my God, what a good question. Um, <clears throat> 1964, uh, the Beatles played on Ed Sullivan. Uh, now, I don't really have um, too much of a recollection of that night, but my mom will tell the story that I was in my feety pajamas and I was like transfixed to the TV because obviously when the Beatles played, it changed. When the Beatles played, excuse me, changed the world. Uh, and my grandfather had an old acoustic guitar sitting in the corner of the house. And my mom will say that you know I watched the Beatles and I ran over and just grabbed the guitar and started having at it, strumming it, you know, and smiling ear to ear. And that was you know the, my first experience with music. And needless to say, it kind of grabbed me, you know, from the innermost part of my soul and my heart and just never let go. Right. And, of course, moms, when they tell stories, have to include details like the footy pajamas because it's their job to – they've earned the yeah, right to embarrass us. Embarrassing enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, if, you weren't, if you weren't doing what you're currently doing, what would you be doing, Al? Nothing. Okay. Not a thing, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I really just never paid attention to anything else in my life, my, my life excuse me, much to my parents' chagrin, you know. Right. Uh, I, I just wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a guitar player. And uh, in my opinion, you know, no matter what you do in life, you have to go after it with the same kind of, you know, passion. Because I don't want anything to fall back on. I wanted to do this, right. and I think you need that in order to really uh, do it. Because it's so difficult, you yeah. know. And it's you know, mentally, if I knew that I had a safety net under me, maybe I wouldn't work as hard as I did. Sure. You know, sure. Uh, I had no safety net whatsoever. This is all I've ever wanted. You were, you were. I like to do other things. Well, sure. You know, as hobbies and, and pastimes, but I love what I do for a living. Okay, well, let's stay with that question for just a second. Um, what is something you are currently passionate about that has absolutely nothing to do with TSO? I love to box. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I started boxing about 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, kind of accidentally, I was in some gym somewhere and somebody walked past and they were hitting a... I mean, I walked past somebody, they were hitting a speed bag. Sure. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And rhythmically, I understood it because it was based on, you know, a rhythmic notation called a triplet. Okay. Anyway, so, you know, he said, hey, you want me to give you some boxing lessons? And I never realized how detailed it was to just, you know, punch somebody in the face. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really <laughs> was an art form. And, and I noticed the similarities between boxing and music or any other art form where you're dealing with a finite amount of ingredients with right. an infinite amount of combinations and possibilities. Right. right. And that's the mathematically, that's the part that I really love about. And plus, you know, it keeps me in pretty good shape. And 
it's just something I really enjoy doing because yeah. it's really, really hard. And I always like to do things that are extremely difficult because if I could accomplish 10% of it, then, you know, mission accomplished for right. me. There you go. It's a great workout for sure. Uh, funny story oh real, real quick. When I, came, when I came to this country uh, years ago, I was born in England. When I came to this country, the little town I was living in in California, there was a, a sort of a makeshift rec department, if you will. And the guy who was organizing it was organizing boxing. And, he, you know, we had the headgear and everything. Uh, I was I was boxing. I had no idea what I was doing. I was boxing against this guy, George. I can still look at the kid. He's, he's got these, this curly, like, uh, Harpo Marx blonde hair. And yeah. I got a, I didn't know what I was doing. I got a lucky shot in, knocked him out of the ring. I looked over the ropes and saw his face was bleeding. I, I, it scared me to death. I thought I killed the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about headgear is you get punched with headgear on, it still hurts. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, Ouch. Best, cr- best, Christmas gift you ever, best Christmas gift you ever got as a kid? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think my first, probably my first electric guitar okay. amplifier. All right. Yeah, I think was... like 1970. You know, my parents, my, my parents, it was interesting because when I was little, they thought it was really cute. You know, oh, he likes the guitar and you know, my dad was a, uh, an educator in the school district that I live. And he's like, oh, I was going to make him a well-rounded student. I think, you know, at 10, 11, 12 years old, they thought it was cute. By 15, they're like, okay, this is annoying. Stop. <laughs> you know, you may, you may or may not know this, but Wichita, Kansas, if not for Wichita, Kansas, they may have never been an electric guitar. Really? Yeah. That, I, I Well... I forget the guy's name. I won't, I, we go back. I mean, it's like early 1900s, 20s, 30s, somewhere around there. There's, I forget the guy's name, but uh, he is sort of partially credited for inventing and creating the very first electric guitar. Then it went out west coast, and someone someone with a bigger name and, and bigger money actually kind of got more credit for it. But, yeah, look it up. Look sure. up electric guitar in Wichita, and uh, it's, a, it's an interesting little tidbit of history. Oh, I will look that up, because I've always been fascinated by history. Listen, Wichita has always got a special place in my heart ever since the Jimmy Webb song, mm. you know. So uh, it's just a fantastic town. Uh, the community has embraced us. And listen, it gives you and I an opportunity to speak all the time, and I like talking to you. Yeah, I love talking to you as well. And, yeah, Wichita is pretty special. Uh, we've got one more Christmas question for you, then we'll get on to TSO. Um, not Christmas at your house unless this particular food is on the table. What is it? Oh, Italian food. Okay. Do you do the, fe- <laughs> yeah. do you, do you do the Feast of the Seven Fishes? No, that was not part of my family tradition. My um, My family... Being like Sicilian okay. uh, on Long Island, for some reason the Godfather was always on in the oh. background, and my <laughs> mother would make a huge, a huge, huge tray of like you know monogot and lasagna and sure. all that kind of stuff, stuffed shells. Sure. But we was never, we never did the seven fishes thing. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, if you if you get a chance, if you're not watching already, the bear. The television show The Bear over on Hulu. There's a season two, I think it is. There's a there's a series, a, a scene, a whole episode dedicated to the Christmas experience of this family, and they do the feast of the seven fishes, and it, it it's very uncomfortable. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, uh, you're like the third person who's told me I need to watch that. You do everything about like bad guys, food, and Italian. You do, you do. You got you got to watch that for sure. Okay, so uh, now, more over, I promise. Now onto the show. Uh, when the when the idea of TSO was born, was there ever any hesitation on your part or your or your family or friends who the doubters were they like no this is this is weird it'll never work? Uh you know I didn't talk about it that much in the beginning because when Paul O'Neill, the gentleman who created this whole thing, he called me up to uh, it was almost like a session. You know, he had this record he was working on, and he was looking for a particular style of guitar player who was going to treat it more like uh, scoring a film than actually being a guitar player. Right. And when I went in and worked on it, you know, I was like, dude, this stuff is awesome. And he's like, thank you. He goes, you know, I just want to make a great art film. I'm not sure if it'll ever sell or, you know, he goes, and to be honest with you, I don't care if it sells or not. I figured, let me make great art, and maybe it'll catch on, maybe it won't. 
So it was really kind of just like real low key like that. Yeah. And I knew that when we were done with it, he had accomplished the art part of it. You know, I was like, this is just very deep, very dark, very special, very powerful. And it wasn't until ooh, late November 95 where it accidentally made its way onto a couple of radio stations. And when these DJs played it, it lit up, yeah. you know, and all of America gravitated towards it. And it was like the number one requested song in America. Now, at this point, I'm still not really talking about it. there's no like Internet, no social media, no nothing like that. I mean, you know, a couple of friends knew that I had done it. I was like, dude, you're on the radio. That's awesome. You know? <laughs> And we went in to do, uh, you know, Paul wrote an entire record around that song, Christmas Eve 1224. Yep. 96, we recorded the first TSO album. And again, it was kind of like, I, I don't like talking about stuff I'm doing, you know? It was like, not that it was secretive, but it's just like, oh, let's just go make a record and see what happens. And by the time that one came out, I think it went like double platinum in a matter of days. Yeah. And then it was like, all right, we're on to something. And then, of course, then all the naysayers start coming around. Sure, and like, sure. oh, you just got lucky, you know, heavy metal Christmas. That's stupid. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here, hold my don't, beer. Don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, don't exactly. listen to it. You know, I, and now it, for for years nobody really knew what it was, and you know we would we'd start touring, we'd make more records, and we keep selling until it just became synonymous with the holidays, sure. and that's the thing I'm so proud of. Yeah. You know, yeah. whatever you say about musically or the, the impact of the shows and you know the production, all that stuff, that's that's wonderful. Like it, don't like it, you're entitled to your opinion. But it's become a tradition for so many families, and that's the thing that I'm so proud of, that people sit down with this, like, you know, when we were kids, it was a wonderful life, or Charlie Brown's Christmas, or like I said, you know, my family watched The Godfather. Right, Weird, right. but true. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm glad you told this story, because, you know, I was at one of those radio stations uh, in Virginia when I first got the demo sent to me uh, and listened to it. And for me, I, I kind of classify Christmas Eve Sarajevo, I put it in the same experience as like when I first heard Guns N' Roses' Welcome to the Jungle or Alanis Morissette. You know, it's one of those mm-hmm. songs that makes your ears go, holy crap, that's a game changer. So yeah. what, what song did that for you? Oh, absolutely. That's you mean a TSO song? No, no, not any song. Like what? What song? When you first heard it, made you stand up and take notice and go, "Wow, that is that is going to change the music world." Black Dog by Zeppelin. Okay. Zeppelin Four. Okay. All right. You know, whatever year it was, whatever grade of uh, excuse me, junior high, high school I was in, I'd never heard anything like that in my life. You know, yeah. Robert Point, uh, Robert Plant's vocal entrance and that riff that came after that. I was like. Yes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, just like you said, when Guns N' Roses came out, with yeah. any band that comes out that's doing something different, you know, uh, Kurt Cobain and, and Nirvana. Yep. Yep. Uh, Chuck Berry, you know, yep. back in the fifties. Yep. Uh, again, the Beatles, you know, whomever it is, whatever it is, something different that like just gets your attention. You goes, what is that? Right. Exactly. You know? And we knew that we were on to something with that track, because when talk radio is playing your song, you got a hit. You got something, yeah, for sure. So when you roll into town, let's say you roll into Wichita, December 6th, Interest Bank Arena, how long does it take you to set the show up and get it ready to raise the curtain? We have the best crew in the world, brother. I mean, they're going to roll in 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, if it's a single show day, you know, they can exhale a little bit because they got some time to put it together. But most days are double show days. So I got a three o'clock downbeat and we've never missed the downbeat of a show. Nice. You know, they'll have it up and running so we can do a sound check and then they'll tear it all down. And by midnight, they'll load it into the 21 tractor trailers that we have and they'll drive 400 miles and they'll do it again. That's right. why I always tip my hat to the crew every show because I could never do my job without them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not many people know uh, there's a charity element involved to what you do. You've raised a bunch of money so far in the history of TSO. Uh, how does the charity work? How can people, you know, give essentially by buying tickets? Well, that was, you know, from the jump, Paul O'Neill, his wife, his daughter, the entire O'Neill family, they're just like ridiculously generous people. 
So Paul started that when we first started doing our shows back in 99. He wanted a dollar from every ticket sold to just go into the charity. Now, that, you know, that's contingent on what market we're in, what territory. You know, uh, he gets involved with the promoter, say, okay, what's well, not only a good charity, but can we make sure that the money gets to the charity and gets to the people in need of the charity, you know? Right. So you're talking about, uh, I don't know how many tickets we've sold. I think uh, the number is about 18 million seats. Right. In the last twenty-something years, and you know, a dollar doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot of money unless you look at it like that. You know, right. that's, that added up to a substantial amount of money that is making a difference. You know, and that's what Paul and his family want. They want to help change the world, and I think they're accomplishing that. And I'm very proud to be part of such a, a wonderful organization. Yeah, for sure. All right, finally, uh, Al, before I let you go, uh, I'm sure you've thought about it, but where does the TSO show go from here? Like, how does it evolve moving forward? You know, I, I think the the, the band. Uh, management, the O'Neill family, and the audience that comes to see us, we're all growing up together. Yeah. You know? Uh, I, I think just the, like a, an organic evolution is occurring to where 20, or it was 24 years ago, we did our first show, give or take, you know? Right. And the folks in the audience were 24 years younger. Now they're 24 years older, as am I. And they're bringing their children, they're bringing their grandchildren, you know? Uh, the people in the band, some of the kids in the band weren't born when we first started recording <laughs> these records, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny, I was telling somebody just before, it's like watching, you know, football. You know, football season started again, and I used to look at the players and go, wow, they're so old, you know, when I was a kid. Right. And then I got older than the players, and I'm like, wow, the coaches look so old. Right. And now I'm older than the coaches. Yep. You know, so I guess it's just a natural evolution. We'll continue doing a great job every year. We're going to work really hard to make sure that this year is better than last year. I think the audience appreciates and respects that, and they, they, they love being involved in that. And let's just keep growing all together, and, you know, we're going to have a good time. 100%. All right, the ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO, and more, stopping at Intrust Bank Arena here in Wichita, uh, December 6th. Tickets go on sale Friday. There's a special $39 ticket. That's for one week only. And if you've never seen the show, go see it. If you've seen it, go see it again. Al Petrelli, thank you so much. My brother, always good talking to you. Listen, stay safe, stay healthy. I'll see you soon, and my best to your family.